Well, good morning, Calvary. Uh, that sounds kind of loud. Let me just start out by, by saying how much I love your pastor, Brother Dan, and, and this church. You guys have, you may not know it, but you've been supporting me financially for several years now. So I'm a part of the Faith Promise offering, and I'm, I'm, one, I'm blessed by that, so I thank you for that. And uh, I want to say thank you to uh, Pastor Dan and, and Joe and the rest of the leadership of your, of your church for just allowing, you know, inviting me to come to talk about a very difficult issue and for you guys to, to be willing to support that. Because uh, what I'm going to be talking about today is a difficult issue. It's very complex. And obviously in this short period of time that I have today, I'm not going to be able to answer all the questions or any of that. Oh, my main purpose today in, in, in my thoughts is that if, if I can just give you an introduction or just let you know that something like this ministry exists and someone like me exists and there are hundreds and thousands of others like me across the nation, uh, that there are other options besides just embracing a gay identity and living in a gay life, whatever that means, uh, but there's someone like me uh, then, then I will have accomplished what, what I need to because we want you to know that we are a resource. And there's an exhibit out here on stage left as you go out that uh, has some contact information so you can pick up some newsletters or you can sign up for our mail out for our email database thing uh, and, and gain, get a resource sheet also for some books that might be interesting for you to catch up on. Uh, so if we can do that today, that would be a huge thing that we can accomplish today, just so you'll know that we exist and that there are resources out there for you because obviously this is something that touches everybody. If I, if I were to ask you to raise your hand if you know someone or if you have someone in your family or someone you go to school with or someone you work with that, that deals with same-sex attraction issues, I'm sure just about every hand in this room will go up. And if not, then you're living somewhere else. <laughs> You're living with your head in the sand. So uh, this is our reality, and it's very complex. We don't want to stereotype anybody or anything about this. And, and really, it's, it's a new day. And so I'm going to be talking in this church openly and out loud about a very complex issue that does require our investment. It does require our getting our hands dirty and getting messy. Because we can't deal with this issue any longer as the church has dealt with it in the past. It isn't enough for us to be judgmental and condemning and self-righteous. God is calling us to engage our culture with love and compassion and with Christ-like concern. And so that takes uh, more time. It, it requires building relationships and really getting to know people. And, and I, I would like to encourage you to try to get into the mind of a gay person and try to understand what they're feeling, how they're experiencing life and what they're going through and what their trials and difficulties are that you could better understand where they're coming from. And we can call, we can call this the gay issue. We can call this same-sex attraction. We can call it homosexuality or whatever you want to call it. And I'll probably be using all of those terms this morning. But I also want you to know that I'm not speaking to you out of someone who's just read books or done personal research. This is my own personal history. This is something that I've dealt with all of my life. Now, uh, I stand before you as an old man. I'm an old codger. 
and I hope that you'll get past that. Uh, but this is something that I've dealt with all my life. I can't remember a day that I've not dealt with uh, same-sex attraction issues. And my story is different. Uh, it's my story. And so as a church, I feel like, you know, you guys are allowing me to be here today because you want to do this differently than what maybe you've done in the past. And you want to know how to better do this. And, and so we want to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to share a little bit about my story, a little bit about the philosophy of our ministry and the theology of our ministry, and then maybe what you can do in general terms. And then if you want to know a lot more specifics, we can talk in person, by phone, texting, emails, online, smoke signals, however you want to do that. So we can do that as well. So before we jump in, let me pray. Because I need to. <laughs> Thank you, Father. <sighs> Just for the opportunity to be here. And Lord, I need your presence. I want to see your beauty. I want to be overwhelmed by it. I don't want to be the same. I want to know you. I want to see you. Holy Spirit, please live your life in me. Because I can't do this without you. Holy Spirit, clear the way of any distractions. Clear the way of the, the difficulty or the awkwardness of this topic. Clear the way of the attacks of the enemy. Clear the way of any judgment or any preconceptions. And just work in this place today. And we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, I have to do this because you guys are terrifying and you scare me to death. Not really. <clears throat> You're great much. I appreciate you being here today. As I said, we, we want to deal with this differently than we ever have before, but it's a very complex issue. It's a very messy issue. It requires us to, to invest our time. It requires us to invest our energy in the lives of people. It requires us to, to get our hands messy, and, and uh, we just can't put our heads in the sand and pretend this isn't going on, and, and there are people all around us who need to have hope, and they need to see the presence of God and see the beauty of his face, as we do, those of us who are in Christ. And, and, and we want, we want to, to be compassionate, don't we? We want to be caring and loving towards other people, because some of these people that we know are people in our families, they're, they're people that we live around, they're people that we work with, we go to school with, and they're, and they're good people, they're wonderful people, these people, those people, whoever they are. And, and so we want to be loving and compassionate and caring, we want to invest in their life, and that requires building relationships. But yet at the same time, we also want to trust in God's word and what we believe to be true. And site ministry, you know, you'll, I'll speak a little bit more about this later, but we have an orthodox biblical view about human sexuality. I mean, we, we just do. We're not going to compromise what we believe the scripture teaches. And so this really is an issue of what does the Bible say? Not only what does the Bible say, but where is the authority of scripture? What is the authority of scripture? Is this what we're basing life on? Is, is this how we make our decisions and how we choose to live our life? And, and so I'm, I'm coming from this as a presupposition that the Bible clearly teaches that acting out sexually outside of marriage between a husband and a wife is contrary to God's plan and purposes, whatever that is, whatever that looks like. So that's just a presupposition of where I'm coming from because I believe the word of God is God's word. 
And I believe it's the authority for my life. Now that makes things very complicated for those of us who deal with this issue. And some of you may not even have a clue, or maybe you do, with what we're going on with. My story, as I said, is very different from anybody else's story. So when I share a few of these things, I'm not trying to tell you that this is the way all gay people, this is all the, the experience of all gay people. It's not. Uh, but I was born into a family that was not a Christian. My father was an abusive, violent, alcoholic. Uh, he, he began, uh, he was, uh, there was a lot of domestic violence, a lot of abuse in my family. Uh, he began, uh, he was, he was, uh, abusing my mother he was abusing my siblings I was the last of five children he was uh, verbally abusing me emotionally abusing me physically abusing me and sexually abusing me until he died when I was about seven and a half years old I was terrified of my father I hated my father I was glad when my father died I never remember a time when my father or for that matter my mother ever verbalized to me that they loved me I never I, I don't ever remember them ever telling me they loved me I can't remember a time when my father or my mother ever held me in their arms ever I, I, I just don't have that memory and so all of my life you can imagine as a young child I began acting out sexually with other guys even as a young boy and and later on I began to understand that I was just doing what had been done with me or to me and, and all of my life, I was just wanting someone to love me, just someone to, to nurture me, just someone to affirm me, just someone to care about me. And, and I began to perform. I began to please people by working hard, by uh, anything that I would do, any task that was given to me. I was always the hardest worker. I was always the best student, always the pet in the class, even though my teachers didn't know anything about my behavior outside of that I was always Mr. Good Boy always performing always working always trying to get love and affirmation and nurture and affection and attention starving for it I just wanted somebody to love me is that too much to ask and I think it's what God has put in, in, in into the very center of all of us into the very core of all of us we need affirmation we need to be nurtured we need to be affirmed we need love and care that's authentic and real and that's what I was searching for. So all of my life I was acting out homosexually, secretly. I even went into ministry. And I'm not, I can't go into all the details of my story because we just don't have that much time. But I even went into ministry. My whole purpose for going into ministry was affirmation. Uh, Add a boy, Richard, and you're a, you're a spiritual man, Richard. And I was acting out homosexually secretly the whole time. I, I, was, I never chose to be, by the way, people don't choose to be gay. It's not a choice. I never woke up one day and said, hmm, am I going to be attracted to guys or am I going to be attracted to women? I think I'll be attracted to guys. That's ludicrous. There was never a moment in my life that I ever made that choice. Now, to act out on that or to pursue that, yes, that's a choice. But the longings and the temptations themselves is not a choice. And by the way, temptation, having same-sex attractions or same-sex temptations or longings is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. So, I, I forgot where I was going with that. But at any rate, uh, I, I was always wanting attention. I was always wanting affection. I was wanting, always wanting love. But I, I can remember many nights just crying out to God, take these feelings away from me. 
I even came to Christ when I was 17 thinking if I became a Christian that this would all go away. I got married when I was 21 thinking if I got married all this would go away. And it didn't. My wife died of a brain tumor when she was only 38 years old. We have one son and a grandson. And so yeah, Dan, I know what it is to be a grandfather. And it is incredible. I'm sure you probably get tired of hearing about it from him. But it is an incredible thing. So I've been blessed by that. Uh, but, but none of those things made this go away. And, and I, I used to just cry out to God, God, either heal me or kill me. And I'd wake up the next morning and nothing had changed. And I always made a vow with God that if anybody ever finds out about this, I'll kill myself because I would be so ashamed. And the inevitable happened in the fall of 1995. All this came out into the open. There was a church intervention. And yes, I did try to kill myself. A very a real attempt to kill myself. I, after this church intervention, I drove my car to the garage of my house. I went upstairs, wrote my son a note, grabbed my pillow. If I was going to kill myself, I was going to be comfortable. I went back down to the garage. It was all sealed up. I turned the ignition on. I fell asleep fully, believing that I would die and be overcome by carbon monoxide poisoning. Well, I woke up the next morning, slept all night, woke up the next morning. The car was still running. I wasn't even sick at my stomach. I couldn't even do that right. So here I am. And obviously, I believe God had another plan. God had something else in store for me. So that's, that's pretty much the dark side of my story. It, it, I, came, I went to Nashville. I became a part of Two Rivers Baptist Church. I, I decided if I was going to be a part of that church, I needed to tell the pastor my story. So I went and told Jerry Sutton who I was, what I was involved in. And he responded with love and grace. He loved me. He prayed for me. He helped me get counseling. And God began to do a work in me that was incredible. I'm going to share with you about some of our philosophy and some of our theology as a ministry. And these are the things that God taught me. These are the things that God has been showing me the last 20 years of my life. It was November the 10th of 1995 that there was a church intervention. And so I've been celebrating 20 years of, of uh, experiencing a whole new way of living and embracing God's love even though I'm an individual who still deals with same-sex attraction. I know that God loves me, and, and that does not control me. That does not identify me. That's not who I am. I'm not gay. I'm not a fag. I'm not queer. I'm not homosexual. I'm not even ex-gay. I'm just Richard, who's a follower of Jesus, because Holy Spirit, Jesus, is living in me. And so I don't identify myself as anything but a follower of Christ. And I think that's really important, that we understand that this is who we are. This is my true identity. Because this is the redemptive work that God has done in me. So, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, I want to read that. If you have your Bibles or your phone, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not going to go in and try to do a verse-by-verse -verse exegesis of this, because I don't have time to do that today, and that's not really what my purpose is. But I want you to know, yeah, homosexuality, the effeminate, all that's included there, but I want you to know what Paul was, he listed a whole lot of other things. And I'm not going to try to define all those words. You can look that up and do that later. But what Paul was trying to say is, folks, we all have stuff. It's not just people dealing with sexual issues. We all have issues. We all have stuff. 
and, and we're all dealing with this. And, and this, is, this is where we used to be. But he says in verse 11, such were some of you. Because you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Spirit of our God. That's, who, that's not who you are anymore. He was speaking to Christians. He was speaking to the, the Christians at Corinth. He was speaking to the Corinthian church. He's speaking to you and me. We may deal with all of these things, but that's not who we are any longer. We may even still be tempted with those things and dealing and struggling with some of those things, but that's no longer who we are because we've been sanctified. We've been justified. We've been washed by the blood of Christ. And so that became an incredibly important scripture for me as I began to realize that I'm a new person. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21, I'm not going to read all of that, but verse 17, Paul says something like, uh, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things become new, old things have gone away. The old things have passed away. I used to have a lot of trouble with that because I'm a Christian, I'm trying to live for Christ, and yet not everything, not all old things have passed away. I'm still dealing with some of these things. So what's wrong with me? Maybe I'm not really a Christian. Well, Paul's not saying that just because you're spirit-filled or just because you know Jesus or just because you're, you love Jesus and you're a follower of Jesus that all your stuff is going to go away. You know, we're in the sanctification process. We're still on the journey. We haven't died and gone to heaven yet. We're still in the midst of this. And so we're still living in this. We're still dealing with all this stuff. And just because we love Christ doesn't mean it all goes away. In verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, He who knew no sin became sin in our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Love that. Think about that. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, he knew no sin. He took my sin upon himself. He took your sin upon himself. He embraced that. He became that. And in exchange, he gave us the righteousness of God. He gave us his righteousness. He is now living in us, and we are in him. And there's been an exchange, and now Jesus is living out or lifing out his life in me and through me. Folks, that is the most, that is the most profound thing that I, I, I can ever say. And it is the most profound thing that impacted my life more than anything else that I know of. That I stand before you as the righteous man in all of my stuff, in the midst of all of my stuff. I'm not saying that, that I, I'm sin-free or that I'm temptation-free or that I'm lust-free, but I want you to know Jesus Christ has taken it all on himself. It's a done deal. The writer of Hebrews teaches very clearly how it's done. It's, it's been done once and for all. There's nothing, there's nothing else left for you and me to do except to believe and to love him and to worship him. And you know, when you experience this exchanged life, when you experience the very life of Jesus living in you, when you experience God's grace, when you're overwhelmed by God's love and he knows everything about me, he knows every place I've been, he knows everything that I've done, he knows about all of my motivations, he knows everything about me, Yet this great God loves me. I am overwhelmed by that. He is beautiful. I can't help myself. I can't help but praise him and worship him. His grace is not a license for me to go on in my sin. 
His grace never has ever motivated me to want to go out and have sex with a guy. Never. His grace always brings me to a place of brokenness and humility and repentance. Always. And if we ever come as Christians to a place where where we just say, oh, well, God loves me anyway. Jesus died for me, so it really doesn't matter. And I can just do whatever I want to do because God loves me and Jesus died for me. <sighs> then I would really, you know, I, I can't ultimately judge whether or not you know Jesus. Because I'm not God. I'm not Holy Spirit. But there, I, I have a hard time understanding how anyone could use God's grace as a license to just continue on in our sinful behavior. And to continue on in our old way of living. So we can't use God's grace. It's not a license to sin. Paul said in Romans 6, 1 very clearly. What, the, shall, what shall we say then? Shall we continue on sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How can we who are dead to Christ continue to live in sin any longer? Listen, folks. We have Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, who has taken up residence within us in our spirit. That is what was born again when we were saved. Not our body. I wasn't born looking like this. It's supposed to be a joke. Thanks, now you laugh. When I tell you what it is, this body is going through the dirt. My soul, what is my soul? That's my mind, my will and emotions, my thinker, my feeler, my chooser. Well, that's in the process of being redeemed. That's the sanctification process. It's my spirit that was redeemed. It was that, that which makes me different from any other created thing in the world that was redeemed. And now I have intimacy and relationship with God and I'm overwhelmed by his grace. I'm overwhelmed by his love. I'm overwhelmed by his presence. It's an ongoing work. I'm more overwhelmed today than I was yesterday. <laughs> it is amazing who he is. And he is living his life in me and through me. Jesus is literally lifing out his life in me and through me in the Holy Spirit as long as I yield myself and submit myself to him and deny myself and yes I am denying my sexuality you know, I've heard I've had gay, gay people tell me well you're you're just denying yourself you're just denying your your true self you're gay you have same-sex issues same-sex attractions just embrace that and live it out and be happy and our culture makes it very easy for us to do that now and I will tell them yeah you're right I am I'm denying myself I'm denying the gay part of who I am. I'm denying the homosexuality. I'm denying. Is it easy? No, it is not easy. Is it fun? No, it's not always fun. And some of you uh, guys who don't deal with this or ladies who don't deal with this, um, you have your stuff too. <laughs> I've talked to a lot of men in the hundreds of, hundreds, not hundreds of years, I've talked to hundreds of men in the several years that I've been dealing with this and, de and being involved in this ministry since January of 2000. And had a lot of conversations everywhere I go about sexuality. I'm, I could be riding in an airplane. Well, what do you do? I'm a counselor. Well, what kind of counseling do you do? Do you really want to know? <laughs> and we have this conversation. Uh, I can be taking my car to the garage, have new tires put on. Well, what do you do? <laughs> do you really want to know? And it's everywhere I go, I talk about this. And I've not met a man yet who doesn't deal with lust. 
at some time. Not one. Not one. Any volunteers want to identify? No, don't do that. We won't get into raising hands this morning. We all have our stuff. We're all dealing with stuff. This is, this is, the, this is, what, this is what the theology, and, and there's so much more, and I'm just giving a highlight of the theology of, of, of how we do this as site ministry, and time is going by so quickly. But this is what we believe. This is the theology of our ministry. This is why I can stand before you today. I mean, do you think I'm pride, proud of my past? I'm proud of what I'm dealing with? The only reason I can stand before you today and talk about this openly is because I know who I am in Christ. And so I have confidence. Do I have confidence in my flesh? Absolutely not. Do I have confidence in who I am apart from Christ? Absolutely not. Do I have confidence in Him who's living out His life in me and through me? And that's why I can stand before you and can say, I'm not gay, I'm not a queer, I'm not fag, I'm not homosexual, I'm not even ex-gay. I'm, I'm righteous. I'm, my, my name is Richard and I'm a righteous man of God. Walking down the hallway, well, who are you? I'm Richard, I'm righteous. Well, who do you think you are? <laughs> well, you know what? If, you're, if Christ is in you and you're in Christ, if you're born again, you're righteous. Completely. 100%. Did you know that? You're holy. You're blameless. You're perfect. That's your identity. That's who you are. And you know, there is an, you are, you are, you are loved by God and you are lovable. You know, there's a big difference in being loved by God and being lovable. Did you know you were lovable? You are 100% accepted by God, and not only that, you're acceptable. There is nothing in this world, nothing in your life that you or I can do to cause God to love us any more than he already does right here, right now, today, and he knows everything about you. And he loves you. And you're so acceptable and adorable to him. And he loves you so much. Here's a little boy, a little girl. There's nothing you can do to, to cause God to accept you any more than he already does. I mean, he loves you and me perfectly, 100%. He accepts us completely, 100%. We're a 10 in his eyes. How can you, how can you improve on perfection? That's the redemptive work. Redemption, salvation isn't just praying a sinner's prayer and when you die you're going to heaven. It's like God takes residence in our life and this becomes our identity, this becomes who we are and it impacts our life, not just eternity, not just forever in heaven, but here and now as well. We're walking in the kingdom of God now. This is the message of hope that we have for all people, including gay people including those among us who are dealing with this issue specifically. And it's the only message that I have to give. It's not the message of our culture. It's not the message of the world. And I'm afraid, I'm sad, that I'm not so sure it's the message of much of the church. We seem to be more concerned about things like what the scar, what's it called? Scarp, somebody help me here, the coffee shop. Starbucks, my mind went totally blank. So many of us are more concerned about 
what's on the star cup? Starbucks. <laughs> what is it? Starbucks cup. You get up here and do this. We get so concerned about the cultural war, you know, gay marriage. Nobody redefined marriage. Do you think the Supreme Court has the power to redefine marriage? Nobody can redefine. Do we really think God's concerned about what's on the Starbucks cup? I'm sorry, maybe some of you got up all antsy about that, and I'm offending you, but I can do that. I'm I'm leaving today. <laughs> when we ought to be more engaged in our culture, we ought to be living out the life of Christ. We ought to be putting our arms around people out there in the world who don't know Jesus, who aren't in church, who don't know the love of God, who've been thrown out of the church, who've been made fun of, who've been ostracized, who've been marginalized. When we have the gospel of Jesus, when we have the message of hope, and we're going to do that by pointing our finger of judgment and condemnation, rather than being engaged in their lives and building authentic, intimate relationships with them and walking with them and understanding their hurt and their pain. Oh, my gosh. Kim's a dear friend of mine. This isn't her history. I want to let you know that about Kim. Not that she's worried about it. She has a dear friend. She's had been friends for many years because she's invested in him, a gay friend. He's married to another guy. Down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida now. He used to live next door to her. She loves them both dearly. She goes and spends time with them. And he tells his story about how he, growing up in a Pentecostal church, and, and he would come to the altar and cry out every, every Sunday. And people would come up, Mike, what's wrong? Let us help you. Just share with us. Finally, after weeks of this, he did share with someone. Short, long, long story short, they ended up kicking him out of the church because he was gay. He dealt with same-sex. He didn't know he was gay. He just knew that he dealt with attraction towards men. And they kicked him out of the church. And he's been angry and hurt and bitter towards the church ever since. And I can tell you more, many more stories over and over and over again. So how do we do this? We... We want to love people. We want to be compassionate. We don't want to compromise the truth. I'm not doing that. Do you understand? You know, to love the sinner or to love the, the per and, and most people don't, most gay people don't even think they're sinners. I mean, we're born this way. We're, we, they think we're born this way. Or this, I mean, do you know how deeply this is ingrained in my life and our lives? This is something I can just hang on the hanger there at the back of the church and come in and be a different person. This is something I can just turn off and on with a light switch. This is a part of that I deal with. It's my reality every day, every moment. Don't judge me and condemn me. Walk with me. Love me, understand me, invest in me. You have the gospel. Do you believe it? Can it change lives? Can it make a difference? Are you willing to invest in people's lives? Are you willing to get dirty? That's what God is calling the church to. Not the lily white Christianity, but the real stuff that's messy. And I'm, I'm going way long, Dan. I'm, I, I apologize, but we're going to finish. And I, just hang with me, guys. I won't be much longer, I promise. But that's, that's kind of who we are. That's our theology, our philosophy. Let me just share just a few things, and I, and I won't be long about it, I promise. I don't know we're going long. What do we do? as a church, as believers, how do we do this? 
One, we, we need to get rid of our own hypocrisy. We need, to, we need to, you know, not be taking the speck out of our brother's eye, but get rid of the log in our own eyes, Jesus taught in Matthew 7. You know that passage. We, we need to deal with our own sin and immorality and lusts and gluttony and pride. You know, my pastor stood at Two Rivers one time with his toes hanging off the edge. I thought he was going to fall out on the floor. And he got real quiet and he looked at everybody and said, I want you to know that pride has done much more to destroy the church than homosexuality ever has. Do we get as upset and angry and in a fighting mode against pride as we are about homosexuality? Pride does more to destroy lives, families, businesses, churches. Are there, are there really degrees of sin? Absolutely not. The Bible doesn't teach about a hierarchy of sin at all. It's all the same. It's sin. It's not sins. Jesus died for our sin. The Adamic nature. That's what happened at redemption. He killed Adam, the Adam in us that we were born into, and he rebirthed the Spirit of God in us, and now Holy Spirit is living the life of Christ. I've already said that several times, in us and through us. That's what happened at redemption. So we need, to, we need to stop being irrelevant because of our hypocrisy. We need, here's, here's, just take the mask off, people. Is, is your church a safe place? And that's what, we, that's what I want to encourage you and challenge you to, to be very intentional about. Is, is pastor or you, uh, staff member or you, deacon or you, church leaders or you, teachers, community group leaders, students, whatever, are you a safe person? Is this a safe fellowship, a safe community? Well, whatever the issue is, someone could come into this place and say, this is just who I am. I'm Zacchaeus, or I'm the woman caught in adultery, or I'm the prostitute, or I'm the whatever. And the religious leaders murmured at Jesus because he went into Zacchaeus' home. He eats with sinners. You know how he forgave the woman caught in adultery in John 8. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Because now you have, a, you have truth, you have hope, you have something better than this. Is this a safe place? I mean, isn't this what the church is for? Isn't it for broken, broken people who are hurting, who are struggling with life? What I'm dealing with, it's just life. In this world, we still live in a fallen, broken We're not in heaven yet, anybody notice? We're still living in a fallen, broken world. This is just life. We're here together to live life together. The writer of Hebrews 10 talks about don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together or some are having a doing. Don't do that. Let's come together to stir up one another, to stimulate one another, to love and good deeds. Let's confess to one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's walk with one another. This is what the church is and we all got our sin and our temptations and our longings and our stuff. Let's come together and let's be real. Let's be transparent. Take the masks off. That's one of the most important things that we can do as a fellowship to start being real and start doing this business of following Christ in a real way. Stop focusing on religion. The list of do's and don'ts, the programs, the events, the church activities. Uh, I got to do this. I've got to work harder. That's, that's performing. And start focusing on relationship with God, intimacy with God. What's the great commandment? To love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Everything else flows out of the authentic, intimate love relationship that you have with God. Everything else 
comes out of that. You want to be a good student? Focus on God with all your heart. You want to be a good husband or a good wife? Focus on God with all your heart. You want to be a good father or mother? Focus on God with all your heart. Because you're being a good husband or wife flows out of that. You're being a good father or mother flows out of that. You being a good student will flow out of that. Every part of who you are flows out of that intimate relationship with God. Let's get rid of our hostility also. Not only make sure, be intentional about making this a safe place. Get real. Don't stand for hypocrisy anymore. Don't stand for wearing the mask. Don't stand for the awkward stuff anymore. Let's just step forward in confidence in who we are in Christ and be real about whatever we're dealing with. Boy, wouldn't that be an awesome place to be as a church? And then also let's deal with our hostility towards gay people. We often think that it's the worst sin of all. Some, some believe there's a hotter place in hell for gays. Some believe Jesus had to hang on the cross a little bit longer for the gay person. People, preachers, I've heard preachers actually say, God, and I've got to say this right, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Well, thank you very much for that. Is that really helpful? Young people, whatever you do, don't be bullying people. Don't be making fun of people. As a follower of Jesus Christ, don't you dare bully people. Don't you dare make fun of people. Walk with people who are hurting, who are broken. Moms and dads, I don't know how many times I've told moms and dads, it's okay to love your son who's gay. It's okay to love your daughter who's a lesbian. Loving your son and your daughter are gay people it's okay. It's not compromising the gospel. It's what Jesus did. To love someone isn't to say, well, this is okay then. It's just to embrace them with the truth of God's love. It's, do we really believe the gospel? You know what Paul said in Romans 1.16? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God in salvation to all who will believe. What's the, what's the power of God in salvation? The gospel. What's the gospel? Is it just the sinner's prayer? No, it's believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And you know what? If the, if the gospel is the power of God of salvation for all who will believe, we can stand before the very gates of hell, and the very gates of hell cannot prevail against the onslaught of the gospel. Do you know, the writer of Proverbs said, the soft answer turns away wrath. Grievous words stir up anger. Do we think fighting, do we think arguing and debating, that's going to win someone over? When it's a soft answer that turns away wrath, not grievous words. You know what Paul said in Romans 2, 4? Do you know that it's the kindness of God that leads to salvation? Wow. The kindness of God leads to salvation. You see, the love of God poured out in Christ, is more powerful, and no one can resist it. It's absolutely irresistible. And our call is to live it out. Our call is to believe it. Our call is to submit to it. So stop the joke. Stop the bullying. Stop the hostility. Be authentic. Be real. Be transparent. Take the masks off. Let me tell you one story in closing, and I apologize. I'm heading out of town. Keeping you longer today. 
one, one quick story, just a, another real-life story. I have dear friends, Joe and Alan, and they don't mind me telling their names because they tell their story everywhere. Joe and Mary and Alan, they used to live in Folkestone, Georgia. Now they live in Opelika outside of Auburn, you know, that, that place. And um, they had one son, one child. He was a boy, good-looking kid, uh, grew up in the church, was Mr. Young Person in the church, was a youth leader in the church. In high school, he was an outstanding student, straight A's. He rode horses. Kim, you rode those things around the barrels. I don't know what you call that, but he did that. Uh, just an athletic guy. Mr. Mr. Christian, Mr. America, good-looking kid. Family, that was their only child, close-knit family in that very rural area. Left after high school to go to college and, to, and went to Atlanta. Eventually, a couple of years later, he came back, and long story short, because I know it's late, he confessed and revealed the fact that to his mom and dad that he was gay. Not only that, he was living with a partner. Obviously, mom and dad were crushed. They didn't know what to do. Well, some months had passed, a year maybe, and Bart came back to home one day and said, Mom and Dad, this, this is killing me. I can't do this anymore. This is not what I want. He'd been brought up in the church. Holy Spirit was dealing with him. He knew this is what God wanted for him. So he broke up with his lover. He started getting some help. He's still living in Atlanta. One day his lover, ex-lover, broke into the apartment and murdered Bart, their only child. He's in prison today. Basically the idea is, I can't have you nobody will. I went and preached at First Baptist Folkestone one, one time, and this was after a few years had happened, and, and I, I kind of challenged them, and I want to make it a challenge to you today. I wonder what might have happened to Bart if when he was 12, 13, 14 years old, he could have gone to the youth minister or the pastor or a deacon. And said, this is what I'm dealing with. I don't know what's wrong. Can somebody help me? I wonder if Bart's story would be different. Because that was a safe church. A safe, safe youth ministry and a safe pastor and safe deacons and a safe church family. And Bart could have shared his struggle. I wonder if things could be different. See, Jesus calls us. Dennis Jernigan, many of you may know of Dennis Jernigan. Did you know Dennis Jernigan was gay, came out of the gay life, married and got nine kids? And he basically said the way that happened for him was he just shared, he confessed the story to someone in the church, and, and the guy said, Dennis, I don't understand this. This is not what I deal with. But one thing I promise you, I will walk towards Jesus with you for as long as it takes. I will walk toward Jesus with you. That's what we can do. That's what I'm asking and pleading for you to do as well, as a church and as a person and as a follower of Christ. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do in our hearts, in our lives, and in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.
Catalyst Band to come come back up. We've got this one song that's really special. We've been doing it during the missions conference. We're going to sing this before we wrap up. Richard, I just can't tell you how much we just love you and appreciate your transparency and just the power and for ministering to our fellowship. Um, we want to be a church that reaches this community in all kinds of ways. I recently had a guide to tell me, he said, you know, I have this gambling addiction. Can you help me? And my, my answer wasn't, sorry, that's not my issue. I've never had a gambling addiction. I don't even, I'm not even attracted to that, so I can't help you. Um, no, I said, well, yeah, because I know the gospel. And you see, it, not so much where you're coming from. It's not your presenting issue, your sin, or your problem. It's, it's the cross. It's, it's Christ. I was in youth ministry for a long time, and I was in a church, and this young man came to me. His father was in leadership, and it took all the courage he had to tell me that he was struggling with homosexuality. He wasn't just struggling. He was, he was very actively involved in the lifestyle. And uh, he worked up that courage, and I said, I'm going to walk with you, and we're, we're going to you know, do this. And we're in this church, and somebody on the platform uh, one Sunday, and, and I've, I've shared this story with Richard, he was just sitting a few seats away from me, and someone on the platform made fun of gay people and even mimicked them, and people kind of chuckled and laughed about that. My heart was just crushed, and this guy just looked at me, and his eyes were just, I mean, just like burning through me, and uh, the church was over, and I, and I grabbed him before he could kind of get away, and he said, I told you so. I knew this is what you would do. I knew this is what would happen. And he left, and he never came back. Within that same time period, there was a young lady in the church who had had a child, was going to have a child out of wedlock. And the church gave her a shower and ministered to her, and the ladies were there. And there was something about it that just seemed so contradictory to me. See, there was not this equality as far as the way we, they were both promiscuous. They're both of their issues were sexual, but one was different than the other. And I'll just tell you one more thing about that story. It was here. It was at this church. God has changed and is moving us, helping us to understand how do we reach people with the gospel. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know if it's heterosexuality or homosexuality. I don't know if it's something else. You think, Dan, mine's chemical. You know, oh, I'm so glad I'm not involved with that. I just eat a lot of pills and, you know, and smoke weed. I, I'm just, I don't worry about that. I'm just an alcoholic. You know, it, it, it's, it's, that's not the, it's, it is the issue, but it's the sin. It's, it's Jesus. And, and I love Richard and his ministry because of what he brings to the table and helping the church to understand that uh, your past is under the blood of Christ. God wants to redeem you and he wants to give you freedom. He wants to bring you out of the dark, out of the shame and the guilt and into the light and into Christ.
So don't get hung up about your secret, what it is, and, and how do we relate to each other. God's going to take care of that. And I pray that God blesses you as you continue to walk toward Jesus and to seek healing for whatever you know, you've come from. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to sing this song. such a great, great song that hey, Kevin chose for our mission conference, and we've been doing this each time as we're together. And this is going to be our benediction. When this song is done, uh, then, then we're done. And if you want to come by and get some more information, or I guess the best, best thing to do, if you're struggling or know somebody's struggling and you care and you think, man, I don't know what to do next, I don't know how to reach out, there's a booth set up out here. Um, just go there, get some information, be on your way, and the Lord will kind of open that up for you. Uh, for a long time, we had uh, a ministry here called Acts 12, and both men and women met in small groups who were struggling with homosexuality, with same-sex attraction, just very quietly running in the background week after week. They met at Thursday nights at 9 o'clock here on our campus. And that ministry kind of went away for a while, and we think maybe God's leading us to open the doors to that again and to, to kind of restart that ministry. If God's given you a heart and maybe you've looked around at different ministries and, you know, Calvary's all over the place and you think, you know, I just really hadn't found my niche or where God wants me to minister. If you believe that maybe this is it, you think, you know, today I've just kind of realized I think this is what God wants me to get involved with, with helping people. So if, that, if, if you would see me this week or shoot me an email or Joe or Daniel or Jason or Kevin, you know, just any of us on staff, just let us know. Hey, I think maybe God, I'm just going to step through the first door and just see if this is where God wants me to minister because we need some folks who would be willing um, to, you know, and get some instruction, some training from, from Richard and from the site ministry and, and see well, where do we go next and how do we help people. Father, bless this time. Thank you for today. Thank you for the site. Thank you for Richard. Thank you, Father, for those in the room who are struggling. We're all over the place, Lord. We can be such a mess in our society, but because of Christ, you have made us the righteousness of God. That is just absolutely amazing, and we thank you for overcoming any and every and all sin, and Father, we give you the praise in his name. Amen.